Deuteronomy chapter 8. Being two weeks and being a sermon, it gives a pretty good um, opportunity to be forgotten, or tradition that it will be. But So if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and to help us... Um, well, the message that I started two weeks ago was just that. It was a start. It was intended to part. So we're going to go back. We're going to do a little bit of remembering so that what is f said and the finished today makes logical sense. So it's not something disjointed. So Deuteronomy 8, and we'll be coming and going from De Deuteronomy 8 and a couple of chapters around there. So if you have a... Um, bookmark or if you like me and use recipe cards um, put it in there because we will go to other passages as well but before we start let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you for who you are our eternal Father God I thank you for all of who you are that you are our Heavenly Father you are our Redeemer you are our equipper, our advocate. Lord, you do so much for us. You are so faithful to us. Lord, as we open your word, help me to be faithful to you as I read it and where necessary, give explanation, Lord. Lord, help us, each of us, to understand your word, to understand how it all fits together in alignment with who you are and your plan, your sovereign plan for each of us. So, Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to be willing to grow. Amen. So, I'm going to give a... Because the population here is coming and going a bit for the last few weeks, I'm going to give a bit more of a lengthy review than you may think is necessary. But it's so for those of you who weren't here, so you understand where we're coming from when we get there. So, continuing on. So, two weeks ago, we looked at Roma, um, Romans, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the reason we look there is, well, to go back a step, I actually gave an example of God's eternal attributes. And if you remember, I actually gave the example of the moral law. We talked about the Mosaic law briefly, but we focused on the moral law. And we talked about how with a moral law, it's not limited to or exclusive only to the Mosaic Covenant, as we call it. But yet, the, mo the moral law of God doesn't come from God. It is God. It, comes it is of his attributes. It is his attributes. It's who he is. And it's where we get our guide for what is right and wrong, what honours God and what dishonours God. A good example of where you can think of the examples of it in the Mosaic Law is the Ten Commandments. Don't murder. Don't steal. And there are several others. There are things that God holds every human being accountable for from, from the day of creation, from at the creation of Adam and Eve, right the, the way through to when time will end on earth and we all stand before either Christ or before God at the judgment seat. Everyone is still under the same moral law that God puts before us. And in Romans chapter 1, he tells us that he's put a testimony in every single person 
and before every single person, whoever was, whoever is, and whoever will be, so that we are without excuse because it is something that is so important. So that was an example of how God, in who he is, he is eternal. That doesn't change. He may change the ways that he approaches us. He may change the way that he communicates. But God, in who he is, he is eternally consistent. He never changes. And so that was the, the reason that we, one of the reasons why we looked at the, the moral law as an example, so that we could see that God is consistently working in who he is, in a faithful manner, consistent manner for who he is. He doesn't change. He doesn't need to. Why? Because he's perfectly holy. Perfectly holy. Then from there, we, after reminding and putting that before you that God is eternal in who he is and his ways are eternal, his attributes are eternal, I read a few verses or and brought to your remembrance demonstrating how God's character, how his attributes, all of who he is, how they have been played out through human history. Such as I reminded you of back when Dave Stanford spoke. He, used, he spoke from the genealogies in Matthew 1 and I mentioned that those genealogies are a testament to God's eternal faithfulness. He said he would deal with our sin. He said he would be true to his moral law, that he would not accept sin. And that genealogy shows that God consistently, consistently honoured his word to humanity, to mankind. We looked at Acts 14.16, where, where it demonstrates there, and we also it will come to your mind other patches of places in Scripture, that God gives us a free will. But in Acts 14, 16, he, he talked about how he le lets every nation go their own way. So every per person, every nation, God puts a testimony before them. But he allows each one of us, each nation, to choose whether we will honour him or be dis dishonour dishonourable to him. But God's desire, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is that he wants to sanctify us. He wants all of us to have a relationship with him. He wants our sin to be dealt with. And in faith, we accept the, the work of Christ. And then that he would sanctify us. That is, he would mature us, grow us to be Christ-like, to be imitators of God. And there were two other verses that I reminded you of in Ephesians chapter 4. It says about being worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. And that's pretty huge, isn't it? Worthy there means to be in balance with. So you think about God and all that he is, who he is, and what he has done and will continue to do as a part of your calling. You and I are to live worthy of that. We are to walk worthy. And that's amazing, isn't it? How does God do it all? Each of you... Myself, we all live different lives. How does God work it all out? How does he do it? And I reminded you from Psalm 103 that God is sovereign. That God is sovereign. He can do it and he does do it. As he pointed out to Job, his ways, his thoughts are way above and beyond our comprehension. 
So from there, we then went into Deuteronomy 8 and just worked through and how faithful God was through Moses to say to the Israelites, do you remember? Remember our journey, how I've led you, how I've provided for you. You grumbled, but I still fed you. You grumbled and I still gave you water. Your shoes didn't wear out. Your clothes didn't wear out. I was faithful to you, though you weren't faithful to me. And then, and now today, we're going to continue on the last two verses of Deuteronomy chapter 8. So I want to read these two verses to you. And it says, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19. So remember, all this talking that um, God's kept saying, when you go in and you've got it all, when you've gone in and you've got huge two-ton, four-ton crops, when you've got all these great kids, huge families, and you're all sitting down having a great meal together or sitting down having a great yarn. Verse 19, It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. So he's t- talking to them as a nation. If you turn away from God, you will perish as a nation. Verse 20, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you have not listened to the voice of the Lord your God. Now, if you remember, just back a moment, to Acts 14, 16, God says that he allows every nation to go their way. And he's reminding them of how it's happening and going to happen to other nations. As If you were to keep reading through chapter 9, he actually, in verses 4 and 5, he says to the Israelites, he says, when we go in, I'm going to go before you like a consuming fire. Now, whenever God uses that term, it's his wrath that's going to come out, consuming fire. And he is going to the one who is going to subdue the nations. There was a nation of great giants where they were going to take over. Some of the cities, they had 20, 30-foot walls there. How would you ever get over them? How could you get in? But God was going to confound the nations in this land where he was going to take the Israelites. He was going to subdue them so that then the Israelites could come in and still through battle could conquer them and, and remove them from the land. But God said, when you come in and this all happens, don't think it's because you are righteous that it's happened. Don't think that you are doing this of anything of yourself. It's not. It is God. It is the hand of God, he says in verses 4 and 5. All the way through the book of Deuteronomy, it is a book of remembering, of reminding. That's what the whole book was about. And if you remember, Christ, quite often, he used this book when he was talking. When he spoke on the Ten Commandments, he referenced Deuteronomy. When he spoke on marriage, he referenced Deuteronomy. When he was tempted by Satan, he referenced the book of Deuteronomy. When he was discussing divorce, he referenced the book of Deuteronomy. When telling mankind or those before him to fear God, he referenced the book of Deuteronomy. Now here's one person, Christ, who could reference himself, his own words, because they are holy and pure. They are wisdom. 
So all the way through the book of Deuteronomy, God was encouraging the Israelites, don't forget what I've done, don't forget the covenant we have. How that was a shocking place where you journeyed for 40 years, but I was faithful to you, even though you complained against me, even though you tried to serve other gods, even though I told you not to. I was still faithful to you. So as you now go into the promised land, know that you must stay faithful. And if you continue reading through chapter 9, he, call, he tells them what it's going to take to stay faithful, how they're to put his word before them continually, when they were to walking along the way, when they were to coming into their house, when they were, to sit, when they were sitting down. He says, keep it before you, keep it before you, so that you remember, so that you remain faithful. But it didn't take long, did it? Psalm 106, it says, They quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. So he gave them their request, but sent a wasting disease among them. Sometimes God gives us exactly what we ask for. Sometimes God gives us exactly what we ask for because we won't listen, because we won't consider his wisdom. So he gives us what we want to our own detriment so that we will learn. The problem is sometimes we don't. But let's continue on. So considering um, Israel, what they've done, God warned them that if, as a nation, if they did turn from him, they would perish. And if you read through the story about Joshua, while he was alive and his fellow leaders, as a nation, we read in scripture, God tells us that the nation flourished, that they were faithful to God. But yet, they turned quickly from him. And so what happened to the nation of Israel? They perished, they were plundered. They were disciplined by other nations. Just like God in his sovereignty used Israel to punish and even remove some of the nations in the land where, they, where he took them to, so he did with Israel. He used other nations to punish them. And no doubt through that time, there were still a handful, a group or a community that were faithful to God. But as a nation, they copped the wrath of God because they turned from him. Acts 14, 16 again. In the generations gone by, he, as God, permitted all nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without a witness. So God was still faithful to them even when nations turned from him, when they turned their back from him. Right from, um, from the very beginning, he called Adam and Eve to be faithful. He called the Israelites to be faithful. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words I am commanding you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk them 
when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be at the frontals of your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. As we read through the scripture, and no doubt God's bringing to your memory now, we know that in the New Testament you'll see the, find the same principles taught. Often I look back at Israel and have in the past and I thought, think, you absolute wallies. You just saw a huge miraculous sign. God just parted trillions upon trillions of gallons of water so you could walk through this sea. God just caused a water to flow out of a, a rock that was just a rock sitting on the ground. He caused stuff, food to fall out of heaven and just to be there for you just to go out and pick up and eat. He caused you not to get a single sore foot in all your wanderings in the wilderness. He, he caused your clothes to not wear out for 40 years. And you still turn on him? Some of you, most of you would know, we have the same sort of photos from our memory as a church. God took us on a journey, didn't he? Do you remember the three bad years leading up to 2008? And yet, I know I have sinned many times. I've been unfaithful to God since then. But yet we saw a big work of God in our own lives. Let's keep going through. Not, this is not to take you on a guilt trip, but a reality check that I can't look down on the Israelites because I am just like them. But God still calls me, he still calls you, he still calls every believer just like he called the Israelites, be faithful. Be faithful. If, and that is the way you will truly live the blessed life. Allow God's sanctifying work in your life. That is why in Ephesians 4.1 we read, Ephesians 4.1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That is God calling me. That is God calling me to be faithful to him, just like he called the Israelites. An even bigger calling... How can you have a bigger calling than trying to live a life worthy of your calling, God calling you? Well, if Ephesians chapter 5, the next chapter, Ephesians 5.1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God. Think that one through. Imitate God. I can't. I can endeavour to through his gracious empowering and equipping a bit more about God's graciousness is that he doesn't expect any of us the moment we get saved to be perfectly mature 
That is why we read a couple of weeks ago, and I'll remind you earlier about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that he wants to sanctify us. That is, he wants to grow us to be more Christ-like through our life so that we do walk worthy. In Ephesians 1, something we're all familiar with, he teaches and reminds us of who we are in Christ and what we have. That we're not just empty vessels, we have God himself in us. He equips us, he empowers us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, he reminds us that we have, sorry, what we have, similar to Ephesians 1, and who we are in Christ. That's in the first four verses. Then from 5 to 11, he tells us how to grow. He talks to us about our character traits. In verse 5, he says it all comes out of our faith, not our belief, but it's metonymically, it's used metonymically, which means faith refers to all who we are and have in Christ. All who we are and have in Christ. And then from that, the first thing you know what comes after that? Moral diligence. In other words, learning from God what is right and wrong through, who he, through his attributes, who he is. It comes back to the moral law, what is right and wrong. And then from there, it, God wants us to, to grow as he builds new character traits and strengthens them through us. It's all written out there for us. God had demonstrated to the Israelites what it would take to be faithful. He'd provided for them. He'd put it before them. He'd shown his mighty acts, his mighty deeds. But that's all they knew. Because you'll read in the Psalms that they knew his acts, but yet Moses knew his ways. So the challenge for me in that is, as I see things like in 2008, as I see a little daughter growing up and day after, or not day after day, but it seemed like that regularly she asked God for a rainbow. And even when it was in summer, sometimes a, a cloud had come out of nowhere and a little bit, of, little bit of a light shower and there'd be a rainbow when she, just after she had prayed for it. Testimonies of God are in your life. Many years ago, I went to um, Haig and Ruth, took us to where Haig works. And when we, um, he was working in the manual arts area, and he took us through and showed us a lot of nice coffee tables and furniture and stuff that the, that the kids had made, the students had made. And some of them, were, well, all of them were absolutely brilliant. They were amazing. And we talked, talked to Haig about, you know, just how, what a, you know, they made them just so well. They'd made them so well. And there's no doubt, it didn't just happen, but they were made. You could see that because it took precision for them to come together. Now, use that example because in case you happen to be sitting there and your memory's playing tricks on you and you can't remember God in your life doing stuff, think about creation. Look at the precision in creation. And while you're looking at it and just thinking about how it all had to fit together, how it all is so well designed, think about how you were seeing it. 
No camera lens can equal the eye that God has given you. The precision, the quality, the perfection that is in it, nothing can. God gives each of us a testimony, just as he says in Romans chapter 1, particularly from 18 on for several verses. God gives us a testimony and he calls us, he begs of us to be faithful, to see what he has put before us, to remember what he has done for us and to be faithful to him as he is faithful. Remember in Ephesians chapter 1, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Romans 11, last few verses. Um, you may not, unless you've just read it recently, you may not remember it. But I'd like to read them out to you just before we close in a moment. Romans chapter 11, from verse 33. And we're going to go into chapter 12. Chapter 12, uh, most of us are very familiar with. But Romans chapter 11, from verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counsellor, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory for ever and ever amen so important that we see we acknowledge and that we allow the faithful working of god in our lives as we continue to read on in verse 12 so remembering all of who god is everything he's by through and in in god Verse 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. So there's a how step, in case you're wondering. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect, i.e. God's moral law. So in closing, a few weeks ago, um, or just over a week ago, a young we're talking about where Australia's at morally, and a young bloke asked me, so what can I do? What can I do? We can look around, we see where Australia is at a nation. We've looked at Israel. Now look at Australia. Look at our own community. Look at our nation. How is it fitting with God's moral law? This young bloke, he was concerned because he was in a situation where he couldn't change. He felt like he couldn't change. He wasn't, didn't have any great authority there. He couldn't determine, but he wanted to know, what can I do? What do I do when my nation is being unfaithful to God? What do you do? A simple one-liner, and I'll explain it, is be faithful to God as he is faithful to you. So where does it come back to? If you are young in your faith, 1 Peter chapter 2. 
sorry, Second Peter chapter 1 and those first 11 verses. It reminds you of who you are, how you are strengthened, how you are resourced by God, through God, in Christ. And then he tells you how he wants to grow your character. The second one is, be true to the calling on your life. As God has equipped you, if he has equipped you to be a good studier, to be a good speaker, be true to that as God puts the opportunity before you. If God gives you the opportunity to be an evangelist, be true to that. If God gives you the opportunity to be a teacher and in conversation, speak about God, speak about his moral law and his desire that none, that not a single human would endure his wrath. Whatever God's calling is on your life, stay true to that because that is God's sovereign plan. That is why he equipped me like he has. That is why he has resourced me like he has. That is why he has equipped you like he has. That is why he has resourced you like he has because in his sovereign wisdom, in his holiness, in his righteousness, in all of who he is in his perfection, God knows that's what is best and it will all work through for his glory. As we just read in Romans chapter 11, it is all for the glory of God. Have the heart and mind for God. Pursue God and he will honour you. He'll be faithful to you. An example of this in closing is Nehemiah. Sorry, Ezra. You'll find it in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. It's when the the Israelites, they were, a remnant had gone back and the book, they were wondering, they had a bit of an ache for God and so the people, they called Ezra. It's recorded there in Nehemiah. They, say, they said, Ezra, bring us the book and read it to us. Read us the words of God. Why did they call Ezra? Well, if you go back to Ezra chapter 7, I'm going to read a few verses and then pray and you'll get why. God, they called him. God had been preparing him. Ezra chapter 7 verse, from verse 6 to 10, it says, Then Ezra went up from Babylon, remembering their slaves, their, their conquered people. Then Ezra went up from Babylon and, and he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all the requests, all he requested, sorry, because the hand of the Lord, his God, was upon him. Verse 7, Some of the sons of Israel and some of the priests and the Levites and the singers and the gateskeepers and the temple servants went up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Xerxes. Verse 8, He came to Jerusalem Jerusalem in the fifth month which was in the seventh year of the king for on the first day of the month he began to go up to Babylon and on the first of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem because the good hand of the Lord was upon him so a lot of other people were going but God was with him and he did it in really good time verse 10 why? For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the God, so the law of God, the Lord, sorry, and to practice it, and to teach it 
teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. So I'll read that again. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. This is what we read from Deuteronomy. It's echoed multiple times through the Old Testament. It's written and echoed and emphasised in the New Testament. This is God's eternal cry for mankind. Pursue me and I will faithfully use you. God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are way beyond us. And it seems such a big thing that you want us to walk worthy of your calling on our life, Lord. That you want us to be imitators of you. Lord, I thank you for that privilege that you've asked us to do that. Lord, we acknowledge that we can't do it without you. But yet, God, I thank you that you have told us in your word and shown up before our eyes that we have you as our resource in all your eternal completeness. And I thank you for that. God, you, you are amazing. You are so gracious to us too because we know our imperfections. We know that we fall at times. But yet you continually prompt us, convict us, and bring us back into fellowship with you. And I thank you for that. God, help us to be faithful to you in all, every area of our life. And Lord, as we see the moral, de moral decay around us, Lord, keep us faithful. Keep us faithful to your calling on us and keep us faithful to you. Amen.